Hey, what's happening? This is Ivan Deprune from White Zombie. You're listening to Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 258 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here as always. And this week we've got a great one. Because we've got one half of the original rhythm section for White Zombie here. Right. We've got an interview with Ivan Deprune coming up. And we've also got a written interview with Sean... Isult. And we're going to get to both those, which is very cool. I think this is one of those, uh, another one of those 15-year-old, 16-year-old me would be, you know, pee in my pants type right? thing, you know? There you go. Right? Yeah, we were, uh, that was definitely one of the, um, one of the bands, you know, that were kind of, to me, the forefront of those early 90s kind of headbangers ball just weird metal bands. Yeah. You know, like um like Scatterbrain and Animal Bag and Strip Mind and you know all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, Fudge Tunnel, whoever the fuck they were, whatever. <laughs> and they're the um, one that got big, you know. <clears throat> yeah, and they're the one that got big and and so and to me, I mean, all, all the white zombie stuff is cool, all the Rob Zombie stuff is cool, but you know, this is to me what was most it was what was most important and felt the most correct, you know, for lack of a better term, um, the most, uh, you know, unforced. So this is really cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of playing off what you just said, they kind of, once they got a little bigger, I think they kind of paved the way for COC and Prong. To get mainstream, yeah, Monster Magnet, those kind of bands yeah. to get mainstream attention. I think they did. I think you're you right. You know, along they with Pantera. Really, yeah. Uh, uh, they really forged, um, if it wasn't for a band like White Zombie and a few others, um, you know, metal was on life support anyways in the 90s. And if it wasn't for a band like White Zombie and a couple others, I'm sure that could be argued. Uh, that's maybe another episode. Um, you know, metal would have been could have been completely non-existent in the 90s. So, uh, you know, again, this is important. Yeah. yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about that and get into that interview here in just a bit. But before we do, as always, we are sponsored by MedFarm and DEB Concerts. MedFarm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma at 24683 East Highway 51. They're just about a quarter mile past Onita Road. You can't miss them. Now, with everything going on, I believe you can still go in the store, but you can text it. You can text your order and drive through and pick it up through their drive through window, which right. is very cool. So, if you get on their Facebook page at MedFarm, P H A R M, you can find their phone number to text if that's the route you want to take. You could also call in your order, of course, or just drop in. They've got a huge selection. You can see the selection on leafly.com as well. Their website is medfarmok.com, and their Instagram is at medfarmok. And the most important thing is their slogan is Cannabis with a Cause, because 30% of their proceeds are going to help build no-kill animal shelters. And they've already got one in the works. They've got the building and the land, and they're working on getting that set up this year, so that should be coming soon. And a huge thank you to them for always their support. And of course, uh, I also forgot to mention, if you mentioned Thunder Underground, you get 10% off your order, which is another cool thing. Definitely. 
DEB Concerts is a promoter right here in Tulsa that has brought a ton of acts to the Ideal Ballroom. They've booked the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma the last couple years. They've got shows at the BOK Center a couple now in the past year and a half, so they're doing a lot. And coming up, as you all know, there's no concerts going on right now, but they've got a few lined up in midsummer, late June and early July, so there's a, a chance these might happen. Right. Texas Hippie Coalition is June 26th at the Ideal Ballroom with Sweat and Bullets and Poster Child opening. That one will be hosted by KMOD's Lynn Hernandez. Then in July, on July 11th, at the Ideal Ballroom, we've got the New Metal Revival, which will be Saliva, Powerman 5000, Edema, Flaw, and Andrew W. Boss. And then, a couple days later, on July 13th at the BOK Center, Poison will be there with Sebastian Bach and Tom Kiefer opening up. So, kind of like we mentioned last time, if that had happened in the 90s with, you know, Cinderella, Skid Row, Poison, you know, people would have lost their minds. So Talk about a freak out. Yeah. This is going to be a great one because all three of those acts put on great shows. I've seen them. We've seen them all in recent, in recent times, so we know that for a fact, so... Hit up debconcerts.com to find out how you can buy tickets and to keep up to date on if there's any changes on any of these things as well. And as always, a huge thank you to Doug Burgess and DEB Concerts for their continued sponsorship. All right, so before we get into the white zombie stuff, we didn't even really talk. Is there any uh, anything we should talk about? There's one thing I wanted to mention, but even though we were going to talk about it on our live stream, well, that's something to talk about real quick. Yeah. If you didn't know, last Thursday night, we did our first live stream in over a year. Yes. On our Facebook page. And we're doing it again this Thursday night at 7 p.m. Central. So join us. We'll be talking about all kinds of random stuff. There's no real agenda. So join in a conversation, ask questions, make fun of us, whatever you want to do. And that's at our Facebook page, which is just search Thunder Underground. You'll find us if you're not already following us. But one of the things I, I'd put on our list to talk about was the ZZ Top documentary. Yes. Which I thought was, you had mentioned when you watched it like a few weeks ago, and I finally watched it a little <clears> bit <throat> after that. I actually watched it a second time, and okay. I rarely ever do that with documentaries. Right. But it was just so cool because they're one of the bands that have done a great job of uh, being kind of mysterious. Like you don't know much about them. Right. Outside of the band ZZ Top. Yeah like their personal lives and all that kind of thing. So it was kind of a, I mean, just a cool look into that for, I think, you know, like we talk about, even if you're not a big fan, a great music documentary is good no matter what, you know. Exactly. Um, I agree. I mean, it was beautifully shot. I mean, uh, you know, visually it's a great documentary. Um, and, it, you know, it focuses heavily, heavily on the early years. Um, and there's a lot of information, um, and there's a lot of things I didn't know. Yeah. And, you know, it was done by Banger Films, who does all the, you know, uh, Metal Ahead Banger's Journey, Global Metal, uh, The Rush documentary, um, Iron Maiden, Flight 666. Yeah. They're so, so, I mean, their stuff is so good. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, you can't fuck with it. Right. Um, I, personally, for this one, I thought it was, you know, if, if, if there's any complaint for me, it was that it was too short. Right. I would have loved another 15, 30 minutes, maybe just to fill in the space between 
you know, after Eliminator and to now. Yeah. Um, but, oh well, you know, I'm not making it, so. Right. You know, fuck me. Yeah, after they got to Eliminator, they just showed kind of a little montage of, like, Afterburner and then clear up to, like, the Rock and Roll of Fame. Yeah. Just, like, just some few little clips and just wound wound it all up in, like, three or four minutes. And I get it, whatever. Um, you know, but to me, when documentaries do that, it feels like they're playing to the casual fans. True. And if we're going to make a documentary, casual fans can go eat a dick. (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, they really can. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Fuck them. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're not why we're here anyways. And they're not why the band's there. Right. Um, you know, uh, if we're going to, we're going to go so far as to make a goddamn documentary, let's really get into it. Let's, let's get into it. Um, you know, this is completely off. That's kind of what they our, did with the Rush one, though. Oh, yeah. I, I see. I, I think. Seems like a lot of that was pretty well represented. I mean, even if just some no, of it was just touched on. No, I'm saying they did what you're saying you wish. Oh, yeah. Ex- no, yeah, exactly. With the yeah. Rush one. The yeah, Rush yeah, one was yeah. more comprehensive. Yeah, it definitely was. And like I said, even if you just touch on it, mention some shit. Fuck, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a good ex- and another good example is the Miles Davis documentary on Netflix. Um, I don't, you know, he's, it's not that genre, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. They, you know, and it was two hours long. It wasn't, it wasn't too much. And they went over that guy's career with a fine tooth fucking comb. Wow. And, and it was really good. You could have put, excuse me, another half hour and, and, you know, filled in some, some high points of the last 20, 25 years. That's all I'm asking. So, uh, there you go. Yeah. I but, agree yeah, with I that. mean, and, and, yeah, you know, it, it, like they did with the Rush one. And, yeah, they got into it. And even if they didn't totally get into it, they at least touched on some shit. So, but, I mean, that doesn't mean anything. My opinion <laughs> doesn't mean shit. It was a great documentary. And, uh, you know, um, I would love to have Sam Dunn on the show one day. So, oh, I, absolutely. Should, I should probably shut my mouth. <laughs> Well, if we do, we'll ask him why. And maybe, maybe that was, was the maybe band. the band wanted that, yeah. and that's fine too. Whatever. So who knows? <laughs> I just really am going above and beyond to let everybody know that I'm like a super music geek, <laughs> right? But I mean, it's cool. Like you said, there's a lot we didn't know. Like I had remembered reading about the the fact that Billy Gibbons had a little bit of success before ZZ Top, mm-hmm. and then you know, just kind of when you see the videos of that stuff, it's just you know, so weird because it it's like night and day on like what you know Billy Gibbons as to what yeah. he was doing back yeah, then, right? And even all the early stuff, you know, I mean, we've all seen pictures, but just to see live footage of you know Billy and Dusty, and then Dusty a little bit later had a beard, but it was just a regular beard, and <laughs> you know, and they didn't really become those characters that we know as Easy Top until you know, basically when we were alive. Yeah, right. Know? But they kind of mentioned that in a documentary, like Josh Holm and whoever else kind of talked, Billy uh, Billy Bob Thornton kind of talked about that. But Yeah. I mean, it's it, I also thought it was cool that they went through that whole documentary and you never heard Sharp Dressed Man or Cheap Sunglasses. Right. You know, <laughs> when the band has that many hits, you can do that now. But, yeah, so definitely check out ZZ Top, that little band from Texas. It's on Netflix for your free viewing pleasure. If you pay for Netflix, it's free, I guess. Right. <laughs> 
They were all paying for it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so let's get into this white zombie thing. We kind of touched on it up front. And we, well, before we do that, we, we've got Ivan and he's got a new band that's been around here for a couple of years called Big News. And they just released, they released an EP last year and they just released their debut full length album in February called The Lowdown, and we talk a bit about that in an interview, but we both listened to it beforehand and really dug it. I mean, what did you think of it? Oh, man, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's got a, a great sound. It's kind of reminiscent of what we were talking about, that kind of mid-90s yeah. metal, but it doesn't sound dated. It still sounds relevant, you know, and modern as well. So I'm digging what these guys are doing and hoping that, you know, back when bands are able to tour again, that hopefully... They're able to get out on the road, you know. Yeah, very cool stuff. And get get our way, but I kind of mentioned it on our live stream. But I wanted to to talk just a second about when you Ivan DePrume's one of those guys. I think, especially when you think of Lost Sex, Lost Sex or Sisto, that when you hear him, it's obvious that it's him, and that's the mark of something really cool, in my opinion. Because White Zombie, especially on that those. Well, I mean, they had, what, three three albums before Lost Exorcisto, a couple EPs, you know, on the indie label and stuff like that, on their own label. But Lost Exorcisto was most people's, you know, intro to them. And I thought they're one of those few bands that every, all four members, the vocals and the, the three instruments, all served a purpose on that album. And they were all like, if one of them was gone, that album wouldn't have been as great as it was. Right. And everything was important. And, uh, and as you know, I love John Tempesta. He's one of my favorite drummers, actually. I've got an autographed drum head of the guy. Nice. <laughs> but when you hear Astro Creep, the music from that, it's obvious that it's a different drummer. And it's yeah. not a bad thing, but it's like Ivan DePrume, his drumming was such a signature sound that whenever Tempesta took over, it sounded more just like a metal band to me instead of a groove metal band with a kind of a distinct sound. I gotcha. I hear that. But, yeah, I mean, that's just me being a geek, I guess. Yeah. Well, that, that's what this is about. It's a lot. <laughs> right. But so, yeah, let's just jump into this before we keep talking, right? Definitely. All right. Here's Ivan DePrume of Big News and, of course, formerly of White Zombie. Doing great. What's what's the good word? Finally glad we're finally doing this. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I know. It's been freaking crazy out there. Yes, it has. <laughs> oh, what the hell's going on with our planet? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> Do you have enough toilet paper there? That's the most important <laughs> question. <laughs> oh, actually, I got I got the toilet paper. <laughs> However, um I uh, after visiting Japan, I uh, realized that they know how to they know how to take care of your butt down there with the bidets and everything. And I'm like, every freaking place had one. And I was like, oh, we could give it a shot. And I'm like, it makes so much more sense. You know, you, 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 it's better to, to to completely wash the area than just smear it around with some freaking paper. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> why why aren't we up there i'm like i'm like oh, hello <laughs> yeah i've always thought that's weird every most other countries do that but america yeah. is just like no yeah <laughs> we're nasty bastards <laughs> and, and, and and we're freaking killing over the toilet paper out there it's like like hey maybe uh maybe it's time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you kind of mentioned the world's kind of crazy like how has this affected you professionally because i know you've got the studio there and everything like yes um uh, on a professional level it hasn't changed much because a lot of my work i do over the internet uh i established uh virtual sessions back in uh man when i left la actually while i was in la pre virtual set i'm like so my customers are are around the world you know, uh, uh, not just here in L.A. L.A., I did get a lot of customers, but it wasn't, you know, as, uh, as you know, the, it, it was pretty, it's very spread out. You know what I mean? And and I was paying an arm and a leg and I was dealing with the freaking building department there because my garage had to be converted to a studio and I mean, back to a garage after it was just so stupid. It was, it was a very difficult time financially with all of that going on. Um and uh, I was uh, at a pregnant wife at the time, and we just uh, said, you know what? Why are we here in this smog pit? Right. You know, we were in the valley in the smog area. And so we, I, I uh, looked at elsewhere, and I was like, holy cow, for what we're paying here, we can get a, a freaking ranch out there, <laughs> you know, a, a nice big property and be in the – in the green, and and so here I am. We made, made the move, and um, and it's freaking it's freaking awesome. Uh, as far as my band goes, I have a band where uh, that's this is where it's kind of hurting right now with the coronavirus thing going on. We can't rehearse, and we can't uh, we had to cancel a bunch of shows. But as far as my where my money is, is more of a, um, a recording. Uh, uh, my drums for other clients and recording uh, and mixing their sessions here. And I could send the mixes back over there to wherever they are um, and writing. And, you know, so that's, that's pretty cool, you know, and, and lessons I could teach. I also teach uh, over the internet as well. So that's, that's pretty, pretty awesome as well. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Doing drum lessons via Skype or zoom or however you do it. Is that, is that tough? doing that where you're not one-on-one with someone right in front of them where you can you know critique their technique closer or anything in fact it's actually better it's actually better because because where what i was when i was working here in my studio when they were coming here they would actually be in the live room and i and i actually set my live kit where they go on the opposite side where it's hard for me to see them through the glass so uh, we were working over the headphones and uh now we can see each other (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I set it up to where, um, my V drums are, are connected directly into the system so they can hear, uh, me just the same as they were here. Cause I had my, my V drums in the control room. You know, my V drums is the electronic drum kit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, so, so that's a really good mix so they can hear everything I'm doing. And, um, and then I can also with this setup with zoom, I can actually bring up material and they can see it in front of their display at home. So material like documents or sh- screen sharing, whereas before I'd have to run in there and I show, okay, or, or just tell them open to page 37, which yeah. is the same before. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but with, the, with, with, the, with the Zoom, we can, we can actually zoom in on things and they can see it in front of them on their screen. If they have a decent, you know, size phone, you know, the phone's a little <laughs> small. So, but if they're set up with a bigger screen, like I am here, you know, I got this, 
I got this massive freaking look at that. Oh, look at that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice curved, uh, uh, big ass monitor. But I, you know, doing my sessions, <laughs> I have uh, the space because I edit stuff in a in, in the horizontal form, so I go through. And that way I can, I can see really quick uh, how much stuff I have to manipulate. And then I just fly going across when you had a small screen, you gotta, you only see so much, you know what I mean? So I like, I like seeing a lot and I got kind of crazy with that. And, you know, you know, I, I go for it all, you know, if you can go for it, you know, why limit ourselves, uh, especially if, if it's working with things we love, you know, and, you know, I, um, of course, you know, we got our financial limitations and everything, but you know, if you have the money and you, uh, for me, I always invest, I always reinvest in my art because that's what I love. And, and my, of course my family and, and things like that, but, um, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> so, well, uh, so this, uh, recent album release show last month, how did that turn out? It was great. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, it was really awesome. I got to see a bunch of my folks up in Portland, Oregon. I haven't seen in a while. They all showed up, and well, not all of them, but you know, you know, a good handful of uh, friends. And and the turnout was great. Uh, it was it was really great to uh, to to finally get our uh, material up on stage uh, after doing this album for a while. Uh, <clears throat> we played the songs before recording, but. You know the process of recording just just took a little little longer than expected. With uh, you know, I'm 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 a I'm a, a perfectionist when it comes to getting things the right way. So I go back and and go over it again and again. And uh, then we had all the holidays. I, I am glad um, we got to play that show before this whole thing shut down with the right. coronavirus. <laughs> we got a couple shows in at least. But another couple shows, uh, a few shows, uh, one on the coast, another one in Portland. Oh, actually, uh, we had one in Salem here, which actually they're thinking we're going to still do it, but I don't see how it's possible. It's, I think it's May 1st. <laughs> That's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's like around the corner. And there, I, I heard uh, a lot of schools are shutting down to the end of the school year now, and Arizona already did it. And uh, how's it affecting you guys? Pretty much, Pretty much the same. All the schools are shut down. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm off work, uh, so I mean, yeah, it, it's it's kind of hitting everybody the same. Um, yeah, so we're yeah. just kind of hanging in there and doing what we can, you know. Yeah, yeah, got to be careful out there with uh, spreading this st stuff around and be minimize your circles. Uh, we see enough of that on the news. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's that's what I was about to say is I try not to watch the news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only can... when I really have to. It can get a little crazy yes. uh, and depressing and overwhelming. Some of the stuff, you know, is it's kind of um, I, I feel I'm drawn to like uh, like just seeing how 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 if we're leveled off yet, you know, like how many more deaths today there was yesterday. It's like mm -hmm. doubling. It's doubling up. And I'm like, what the hell? It's like I, I can't stand it when I see groups of people still getting together and like I'm like, Okay, it, the longer they do that, the more we have to stay in the house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. they, they either drop dead, catch it, or wake up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I hear the postal service might be uh, – the postal service – a lot of uh, postal workers, the latest thing I just saw is we might be uh, – we've lost a lot of postal workers to coronavirus that can't show up and, and – uh, uh, and if we don't get our mail and deliveries, um, that can be a little bit difficult <laughs> for some of the people. Or, you know, being quarantined like this, we have to do.
do a lot of our stuff uh, order in. Yeah, right. We're in a new world out here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of the lowdown, it's been out about a month and a half now. What's the response been like from fans or from critics or anyone? Um, uh, we have a lot of likes. We have a, a lot of people think it's badass. It's great. I, I, people say the recording production is fantastic, which we did here in my studio as you know. And, um, and, uh, uh, I, uh, I, we got set back. I, we were, we were, uh, we're actually in the process of trying to get, uh, more word out there. And thankfully we got you guys, uh, uh for this scheduled event, but it's kind of hard to, to try to shift uh, people's ears and eyes towards our band when people are dying out there, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like people are scared. I feel like it's a little selfish to say, Hey, but check out my band, you know, <laughs> come on. What the f <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of like, yeah, we can, I'm kind of rather write music, but you know, but we have an album we need to promote. And the guys in the band are like, we need to fucking get this thing out there. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but, who's going to want to hear it when this is like, I don't know. I mean, I guess people need escape. Music is great for escape, but when you have a press release and people it's like, they're going to scroll right through it. They're like, Holy shit. Where's my toilet paper? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but and you know, that is the thing. Wipe the ass with my album. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but it is a release or a, 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 a relief and it's an escape. So that, that's one thing we can go on, you know? That, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I'm really proud of the the album, and uh, you know, I I I feel it's great and everything. I feel you know, I, um, I uh, uh, yeah, I just I just hope we can get out of this situation quickly so we can perform, so people can actually experience the show and yeah. and, and what we have. But you know, it's not the only thing out there. It's not the only thing in the world. You know, I'm, I'm, I just appreciate, I appreciate that I'm still working right now. That I'm, I'm bringing in income. I'm mixing an album for uh, Saints of Lust. I could send you a link for that. Um, uh, and uh, ma mastering another band. Uh, and uh, and then I got this new project where they needed my drums. Uh, turned started off with doing five songs, and now. Now they want me in the band as a as a full member, and uh, um, which is really cool because I really like the music. Uh, I don't know how much we're gonna be able to juggle all these things, but at the same time, uh, we just we just go with it. We just go with it and see what 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 works, because uh, you know everybody's in many bands out there, so yeah. I don't like to just be in here. One could be a side project, one could be a main thing, whatever's bringing in the income and and people like and want to hear. Uh, you know, as long as we keep keep doing what we love and moving forward, and and we're not hurting anybody. <laughs> <laughs> are they yeah. are they in your, your area? Uh, no, actually, uh, these guys are uh, actually spread out. Um, uh, we got a guy in uh, uh, for, for this new project. It's, it's just brand new. We don't even have a band name yet, but no. he's got this guy. Uh, he's just. Uh, I don't want to drop names yet, but you know, the main thing is he's in Vegas and uh, uh, there's a guy in New York, but I don't know if he's going to be the guy, the other guy. And then we got this other possibility, but it's, uh, uh, it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's the music's along the lines of like, uh, uh, like Peter Gabriel meets tool meets uh, um, nine inch nails maybe, or wow. nice. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah, like heavy stuff, and 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 they really want to go with organic drums, so they're going to use my like you know just tribal energy, and rather than more machine sound type of drummer, um, and uh, you know the 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 singer who wrote all these songs, he uh, lost his brother uh, a year ago, and and uh, during this time of quarantine, he's like freaking. Um, it's just unleashed. Like he just let it all out all of a sudden, you know, with this being able to focus and, and uh, bam, these five songs came out and he, and he's like, I want Ivan on these songs. He contacted me and I'm like, hell yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that worked out. And um, yeah, yeah. And I, I got uh, two girls that go back and forth with their mom and they're with me now for supposed to be for one week. Now we're doing two weeks. So since uh, we're homeschooled and everything now, so we have to, we can be a little yeah. more flexible and stay with me for two weeks. So that's good. So if you hear some noise or see people, people busting in these doors here, you know, it's my, <laughs> my daughter's 11 year old and 15 year old, 15, soon to be really soon to be 12 and 16 here. Oh my God. Yep. <laughs> Growing up fast. You guys have kids? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I somehow escaped that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm not good. I mean, I, if you want to be a parent, it's it, you know, it's a blessing. Uh, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I wanted to be a dad, so I, I made it happen. And, and yep, yep. Getting well, uh, to to catch up on a lot of shows I didn't watch in a while. <laughs> now that we're being home a lot, uh, we also. Uh, have uh, uh, some programming out there, you know, we got Netflix and yeah. 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 I think that's what a lot of people are doing. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. One more question about the lowdown. Did you, did you produce the album? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I record, uh, engineered, produced uh, okay. pretty much everything. Uh, we actually had, I, for my, for my drums, I brought in an engineer to uh, work with me for my sounds while I was out on the kit, he uh, dialed everything in because uh, I'm just a little different intensity. Like I want to, I want to get full blown, you know, the way I play. And um, so that was really cool. I got all the settings here. So when I have other bands, I can keep the settings when they need my drums again. I don't have to bring the engineer back here. I have them all saved and um, yeah. Yeah. Took a snapshot, just dial it right in. And I can go back and forth. I have a remote thing so I can play it back and see if it sounds good. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And that I, and I mixed, I, I uh, engineered, mixed it as well. Um, the guys in the band also helped me. I, I need other people's ears. You know, when you're doing everything here, it's like your ears can get ear fatigue. And, and um, some people say you shouldn't mix the album that you're actually uh, if you're in the band, <laughs> you can get outside perspective. So I played it, you know, so I had them play it for their fellow, you know, friends and stuff and different systems because you want to make sure different speakers might sound, you know, too much low end or high end. And, and, uh, but every, every project to me is a whole new opportunity to reinvent my sound and, uh, and explore other people, like what they do. Uh, I like to just go back to school in the beginning of a session. I go back to school to, and learn other ways. Like, like, cause there's no one way cause it's such an art, yeah, but I still have the things I love to stick with. You know, I love to stick with certain plugins. Um, I love the SSL, uh, compression, bus compression and, uh, and channel strips. I know how to use it. Uh, when I get all these other great plugins, I'm like, okay, does it really sound better? I don't know. You know, so I, 
I play with it, and then I'm like, oh, you know, I end up seem to go back to my sound. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and I think that's important when you when you ha- when you find your thing and you're good at it. You know, why screw it all up? <laughs> like, I, I like I love Cubase. I've been using Cubase in, since the '90s. You know, people are like, yeah, but everyone uses Pro Tools. I'm like, oh. you know, I get on Pro Tools. I'm like. Oh my God, this is so square. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it, it feels like, uh, like it just, it's, it's dialed in for engineers. I think, uh, originally it was, um, Cubase is for more for the creative mind as well, I think. Um, and I just, you know, I know where stuff is, mm-hmm. even though they keep, they keep screwing you up with new updates and moving things around, but you know, you, you kind of can figure it out real quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I feel so, even after all these years, I feel like I'm still scratching the surface of it because I only use it to really record and mix. Uh, I um, when it comes to writing, you know, I we go organic. You know, I I have a guitar player play his parts. I play live drums. I don't need all these like tools for drum loops and um, and then like you can like change key key changes and i guess that's for other types of musicians maybe you know like for me um i like to just grab parts i play to a click and there's the grid and it's easy enough to just move stuff around that way than having to use these shortcuts that they've worked so hard to program (laughs) (laughs) you know i don't know uh it, it, it gets more and more beautiful too you know you look at cubase it's like so colorful it's like a like, I feel like I'm in a theme park, you know, with all the lights and, you know, it's like eye candy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look at like all the different channels, it's like, yeah. like they, they <laughs> know how to color it up. And then you open up the mixer window and it's got, um, uh, I don't know. It's a lot of fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got this, uh, this mixer board that is, um, these are, um, it's the, Mackie control surface where you um if you have uh let's say um these are uh midi controlled to uh the channel strip in the uh software so when i uh let's say i grab um like here is a fader and i'm moving it on the screen and it's moving (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah so so i you can so I like having hands-on, so it's like this is real, you know, this is physical, real thing. If I I want that channel to get louder, I grab it and do it. So I feel like I'm still in more control than mm-hmm. you grab the mouse and um, makes it easier. So um, that's pretty cool. Got to have all the toys. Right on. <laughs> And clients like it when they come here. They're like, they're like, oh, you have a mixer board. You're the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, earlier you talked about, you know, producing is, you know, and then playing. Uh, it, yeah. Is it hard to, you know, you, you talked about, you know, having friends listen to it. Is it hard to separate yourself from the player and producer? Uh, uh it could be. It could be. I, I, uh, uh. It's hard to say because I I do it so often that I feel, um, to me to me I I just like I I learn to just pull yourself out of the band pull yourself like like really imagine from an audience perspective 
and and uh, and how does it feel? Like I, I I really like I try to truly listen to my initial gut feeling, you know, not trying to say, oh, well, it doesn't sound like a commercial thing. It's going to be on the radio. Like the bottom line is, do I like it or not? And if that's my taste, if I if I feel like something's just not hitting, I dig into it. I got to dig into it. And um, uh, and and do, and after doing it a while. Uh, um, I don't know. It, it, it is tricky. Like when I'm just producing a band, I'm so used to being the drummer. I might dig into the drummer a little more than maybe sometimes I should. Like, but but I'm like, hey, you know that beat you're playing there. Um, did you were you trying to do this? And I'll just you know move the stuff around and go check that out. I think that's what you were trying to do, right? Like, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. And then, so I was like, oh, okay. So I would help steer them in their direction. Um, that I think they were trying to do. Um, but, uh, uh, if the drummer is really limited, I might add, um, uh, I, I would just help shape that. And, and you know, I, I guess that's kind of producing and drumming at the same time. And that's why it's good to have the ability to play the instrument and not just be a producer. If you can, if, if you, being a drum teacher, I can tell like, oh, they they're trying to play this or they're trying to do that. Uh, by teaching all the time, I can help steer them. So I, I can help a drummer who's who's performing in a song to uh, to get them there quicker uh, without eating up too much studio time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's important to because uh, ultimately they have to live with what they release and. And if if uh, if I just if I just shut up and just do what I'm paid to do, I, I feel like I'm I'm doing a disservice. I guess it's kind of like if you're a repair guy coming to a house and and they're saying, "Oh, we have a leak here. Just fix the leak." And the guy's like, "Oh yeah, but um, if I fix this leak, it's going to leak over there too. This pipe is dead. <laughs> you know, yeah. you you got to speak up. You got to you know, so I show them, hey, you know, from the ground up here." You have to strengthen the foundation, the drums and bass, and, um, and so uh, when I'm when I'm the drummer in the band, um, you know the funny thing is I've always I've always listened I always hear uh, melodies in my head when I'm as a drummer like I I've, I I would you know like early days with White Zombie when we did. Uh, when we would write, I would always hum ideas to the guitar player. Like, I hear this. Can we try this? Can we try that? Uh, and and we would bounce stuff off of each other. Uh, so we were all kind of like we were all the writers in the band. And um, so it is stepping outside the shoes of being a drummer. <laughs> uh, and but I didn't produce White Zombie, of course. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, you were asking, uh, being a producer, is it difficult to, uh, when I'm in the band? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's tough. You know, like, like, there's so many different lines I cross. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, sometimes I, I just, I, I just do what I feel is necessary to get the job done. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think, I don't really think about that too much. Right on. Changing the subject just a little bit, like going back to the late 80s, early 90s, New York City. Like there was a ton of heavy metal and hard hardcore bands that came out of there. Like that scene was really strong. Oh like, yeah. What are some of your best memories of that time 
with any well, other bands or anything like that. My my uh, my favorite times was the uh, was the days uh, playing sharing the stage a lot with Biohazard. Yes. That's that's what that's what blew us up, you know. And uh, one of the one of the things that it was uh, we, we would do a lot of shows with uh, um, Chris Williamson. Uh, he did he was one of the promoters out there, and uh, um, yeah yeah Lamore's in Brooklyn. That's uh, we ended up on the stage with Biohazard a lot, and then Slayer would come through. We'd play that with them a lot. And um, a few shows, uh, but they're not from New York, as you know. <laughs> but uh, another band in, in, in New York, Prong. Yeah, yeah. You know, Prong. Prong they, we did a lot of a bunch of shows with them. They were great, uh, badass guys. Uh, and uh, some other bands from New York. Oh God, Anthrax. But we never shared the stage with Anthrax when I was in band. But they're another band from New York that I grew up listening to. Of course, uh, typo negative. Yeah, freaking guys, man. Those oh, Peter Steele, rest in peace, man. He's <laughs> yeah. You know, I and the thing about the New York scene, man. They, those those days, uh, there was so much, so much uh, oomph, you know, power, and uh, um, it, it was like people were just so uh, um and and. And uh, just, just you know, like like such a grit, you know. New York, New York had a gritty compared to the the West Coast, you know, the, the, where the vibe on the West Coast compared to the because the, the East Coast, it, it's a uh, you know a little more challenging. People are people are compressed and more uh, more difficult to to get by day to day with uh, in the New York scene. The New York scene was 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 rough with. Um, uh, to be an artist, uh, be a musician out there, it's, uh, it's an expensive place to try to be a musician. And back in the day, uh, you were hassled all the time by the um, the other type of New Yorkers who just would just punch you in the face for just walking down the street or steal shit from you or <laughs> bully uh, you know, and then you got the yuppies back in the day. You know, the yuppies in Brooklyn, and uh, I grew up in Park Slope where. You know, they, they they just they just think you're a little piece of shit. You know that you're you just you're a musician, so you must be homeless or something. And and uh, <laughs> you know it, it's it it was uh it was a rough rough place to to try to make it. And you know the scene in the Lower East Side was um was where we would hang out the most. Uh, that that scene had uh, very artsy and was covered with a lot of homeless uh, struggling artists and uh uh but there 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 it was such a such a insane uh 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 power to all of that it, it had so much flavor in itself you know that struggling when you're struggling uh we we find so much more appreciation for the things that come about you know it, it, when it's, things are so fucking tough and 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 then you get cool feedback where you like suddenly people recognize you for what you're doing your art it's like wow it's like giving a cracker to a homeless person like that was so amazing and and that feels so good you know and and that that is what fed us in a lot of ways 
we were taking baby steps back in, the, in those days. And then suddenly we're recognized, uh, you know, because, you know, Let's Sex Your Sister was our fifth record. We had a few other records back mm-hmm. in the day, you know, and we, we would book our own tours and, and it was, it was, um, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Did it- do you have anything personally from those days that that wasn't released, or was it all just why zombie stuff? Um, uh, from those days, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a few things, uh, a couple, a few of the things I'm trying to get my hands on. I keep forgetting to go after my friend who has Shauna and I was in a band before White Zombie called Life, and um, and we had a four song demo. Uh, it was, it was totally different and, you know, I'd like to hear it. It's been a while. Uh, (laughs) White Zombie has a few, a few stuff that's unreleased, which actually you can look up on YouTube and you'll see, you know, you can dig it up. (laughs) Um, and, uh, there's a few other bands I've done back in the day that, you know, nothing, nothing, I don't, I don't think it's worth releasing, but maybe if I hear it now, hell yeah. (laughs) Um, because, you know, it, if it's a good song, it's a good song. Even production sucks, you know, fuck it. Just still release it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you know, and, and uh, you know, and I have a bunch of bands since White Zombie up to, to date that haven't gone anywhere because uh, the whole marketing promotion thing, bands fall apart. It's, it gets tough. When you're not, you're not in the band anymore you're, and you're doing something new, why release? Why why really spend energy, time, and money trying to promote something that broke up? So I just put it in the back burner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My back healer. I had a band called Anchor. Uh, a band called Creep. A lot of uh, bands I thought were really awesome. Healer was my favorite. What well, did you when that box set came out a few years ago? It came from NYC. It had the Pig Heaven outtakes on there. Oh yeah! Did you check that out when it came out? Is that something you hadn't heard in thirty years? Or oh yeah, that was great. Oh god, uh, yeah, and that and that was very well put together. That 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 whole uh, setup was incredible. The vinyl, have you seen the vinyl version? No. Big box, freaking. You, got, you want me to go grab it? I could show it to you. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, give me, give me give me a second. Yeah, turn the light up a little bit. I uh, all right. I think this. Uh, there we go. All right, so check it out. Wow. <laughs> and uh, this is the back. Nice. And uh, so, so we got all the the actual records. And this is uh, God of Thunder. Wow. I don't know. Can you see it? Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And uh, then, of course, uh, oops, did I lose you? No. Can you hear us still? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh. I uh, I don't know how that happened. Something just opened up. <laughs> um, might have been my uh, mixer board here. So this is Soul Crusher, and then Psycho Head Blowout. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, make them die slowly. So we were like all standing there, and then I always loved Rob Zombie's artwork. Yeah. 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 That was that was the coolest thing, and I, I always like the whole time I was in the band, I always admired his uh, his work because um, this is actually our forty five. What you're talking about? Oh no, wait, this yeah, Pig Heaven. There yeah. it is. That is and 
now this is the coolest part okay this is a book wow that has a whole bunch of freaking pages and it's like all of the pictures are huge so um you got rob there and it's full of flyers and uh live pictures you got the whole t-shirt ography where it's like the whole all of the, all of the t-shirts that we released oh and here's the flyer gallery and then um big ass pictures of us back there and yeah yeah so i thought this was amazing and 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 the 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 way this was written we have like this guy uh, interviewed us um uh each of us in the band for an over like three hours each taking down information uh and um what's this guy's name i'm looking for his name who wrote this i forget but he is really really good at the way he wrote it wrote our story you know after interviewing <clears throat> us and um i always try to look like a badass i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was the picture when we were uh, in L.A. after we moved from New York. Yeah. And moved in my van from New York. I had a, a van that I, 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 I hot-rodded the hell out of it. I, I, I converted the engine with this guy, a friend of mine, because it was only a six-cylinder engine. We needed more power. So uh, I got a guy who uh, worked together with me, and we rebuilt the engine. At the same time, we were promoting... The Sexorcisto, and I was like, "What the fuck am I doing?" I was missing out on a lot of the parties and shit that uh, getting together with the NR guy, and I'm like, "Oh well, I guess I gotta miss that because my freaking van is broken down on the street now with an engine that's taken apart." <laughs> <laughs> when that was done, it had so much freaking power, and I ended up selling it in LA to a, a band called Wax because we were going on tour that we didn't know when we we're gonna come home. It was like going to be an indefinite for Les Exorcisto. And so I'm like, okay, I got to sell my van, uh, which I was glad to get rid of it because, you know, it was, it was an older van. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. A cherry bomb mufflers, four bottle carburetor. Boom. <laughs> it was fun, fun, good times. Did, uh, yeah. did you guys ever play CBGBs? Oh God. A thousand times. Okay. I figured and Tom, Tommy Victor from prong used to be the sound guy yeah. over there. That's actually why I brought it up because we had him on our podcast. Oh, cool! The year before last, <laughs> and he he mentioned that, and he because he was on tour with Helmet at the time, and he talked about how he kind of discovered Helmet. Oh, being the yeah. Sound engineer there or the sound guy there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Tommy was cool, man. And when we'd play CBG, he was like, "Yo, Tommy Victor, what's up, man? My butt." <laughs> yeah, I always loved seeing him. He's a good guy. Um, yeah, CBG, man. That was a great venue. Really good venue. I, I, uh, small. Yeah, heard it was different small. things about it. You know, like it sounded great, but then it was kind of like a shithole. I mean, I don't know. I've never been there. That's just what I hear from people, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a shithole on the, on the level of like, uh, uh, it felt dirty because it was, <laughs> it, you know, it was so old and so many flyers on the walls and, and graffiti everywhere. And it was just trashed, but the sound was good. And, um, you know, I think they might've went through different sound systems. So, you know, but I, but I, I remember getting a good sound there and, and always packing the house, uh, 
I don't know, you probably saw on Facebook people sharing, uh, if you've been to this bathroom, you definitely have coronavirus. Yeah. Right. Was, yeah. <laughs> it was like the freaking craziest looking thing in the world. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we did a photo shoot in that bathroom once. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and the backstage was freaking like like uh, plywood cubicles. It was just it was just funny. Yeah. But there's tons of places all over the place like that. You know, CBGB's yeah, got yeah. really famous for being, you know, they held it together for so many years. Yeah. 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 So I saw butthole surfers there, the Ramones. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I didn't, I saw a, a flyer a couple years ago that showed the Ramones and Talking Heads played there together, like in wow. the late 70s or early 80s. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The Talking Heads at the CBGB. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Fucking A, man. Wow. Well, as far as, you know, let's say six months from now, things are back to normal. People are playing shows. Does Big News have any plan to, like, go out of Oregon to play some shows? Or what's the idea? Uh, we, that's our goal. That is our goal. Uh, the one tough thing is is many of us in the band uh, kind of got uh, um, have, to, have to bring an income because we have uh, families and responsibilities. Because our band is not bringing it yet, right? So we have to play our cards right because we don't want to go out there and give up, give up our uh, and lose our positions at home, go out on a on a, on a tour that is is uh, unreliable. So we have to just make sure we do things properly, maybe get deposits and guarantee you know guarantee so so we can map out a, a, a way to get out there and back. Now, uh, some places we actually got an offer, um, Omaha, Nebraska. Where are you guys at? Oklahoma. Oklahoma, right there on your shirt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so um, uh, we got I got some guys with the actual Saints of Lust band. Uh, we were doing some shows with them. Actually, we did our, our CD release. Uh, not with them, actually. Uh, members of that band were in a, another band called Underson uh, <laughs> that we played with. And then uh, I, I ended up doing work with one of the guys in Anderson for uh, saints of lust. And then that's how I'm involved with them now. But, uh, Greg from that band is, uh, offering to fly us out to perform out there. So, you know, if we get gigs like that, where we get, uh, our bases covered and backline, then it's a little more feasible to get out there. But, you know, it's still, it's like people have to, you know, take a risk to hope that we're going to, they're going to make their money back if they're giving it to us. So, you know, I have to got to think about, different things like that it's a tricky thing you know it's uh get people to to uh it's a gamble you know and if we can get enough of a buzz we get people who uh buy tickets then we can make things work and we can survive on merch sell t-shirts and um you know if you know and and for the love of it uh we can go a long way you know if you hate the music and you're trying to go on a road a road trip with a band that you don't get along with forget about it right. you know yeah. Yeah. i don't care what they pay you but but you know if you have the love and you're getting along with the people then it's like fuck it yeah we're gonna do it we do it you know we'll make it happen come home homeless whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's what you know going off the road with white zombie we gave up everything you know like going on uh, less exorcist tour we gave up our apartment, sold our vehicles, you know, because we didn't know when we were coming home, but we had the backing of a, a major label. So we're like, let's do it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's that's great. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, great. Having Thank you. Show and promoting, promoting my bands and stuff. And uh, I, I message you uh, links to, um, uh, if you know, when you release this, you can include some of that stuff if you want. Okay. Yeah, definitely. You know, like my website and whatever. Okay. For, for the big news album, if they want to hear it. If they want right. to buy it, support yeah, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Thanks a lot. There you go, Ivan De Prume of Big News and White Zombie. A huge thank you to him for taking the time out to talk to us there on Skype. That's actually the first interview we've done since all this kind of crap started yes. happening. So we got to, you know, kind of ask ask an artist, you know, you know, what they're doing during this stuff, and it sounded like it's not really affecting him professionally too much. That's a good thing, because mm. it is a lot of people. But it was cool to get to talk to him about just that and it was one of those, I like those interviews where, you know, you get into stuff besides music where he's talking about what's going on with his life and whatever. So, oh, yeah, for sure. It's always a good time. So, once again, a big thank you to Ivan. And like we mentioned up front, we actually mentioned a few times late last year, and we just kept putting this off until the right time, which is now, mm-hmm. because we had Ivan on here. Last summer, I believe it was July or August, we... You inquired about doing an interview with Sean, and her publicist said she's only doing written email interviews at the time. Mm-hmm. So we sent over some questions, and she got them back to us. And so this was from, like I said, I think it was from August, so we're like seven, eight months ago now. But still, glad to finally bring it to you. And I think uh, once we get this done, I'll probably put them up on the website as well. So Definitely. It can be read as well, so you don't have to listen to my voice in place of this wonderful woman's voice because that's how we're going to do it. Jason's going to read the question and then I'm going to answer it as if I was an amazing, beautiful woman that plays bass for white zombie, but that's not the case. I'm just a guy that has a podcast, (laughs) but but before we get into it real quick, that's kind of something to point out. Like we talked about them kind of being one of the bands that spearheaded nineties metal. Yeah. Um, Whenever lost sex or Sisto came out, I was 15. Yeah. And we knew, obviously, Lita Ford and Joan Jett and all these kind of people. But as far as, like, metal went, I don't remember, unless I'm just forgetting, I don't really remember there being a prominent female in a metal band prior to that, at least in the mainstream, or at least someone that I was paying attention to. Yeah. Um, There's someone I'm forgetting. But well, I'm sure a case could be made for L7. Well, yeah, uh, but see, you know, to me, probably that, looked at more as alternative. Yeah, but um, I didn't really even listen to them until after I got into White Zombie. What about the Psycho Sluts from Hell? True. I but wish you were a beer. <laughs> but wasn't that like ninety around the same time, ninety two, ninety three? God, I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. So I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, as far yeah. as as far as a band making it big and just being the face of like metal there for a little bit. Totally. Yeah. But so, yeah. Let me pull this up and let's jump into this. Here's our written interview with Sean Isolt of White Zombie. Are you going to have the intro music going? No, 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 no. I don't know if I need to do it again. You're right there. That will be it. Okay. Okay. So, to kick it off, what is the status of Star and Dagger? And could we see a follow up to Tomorrowland Blues? That's on hold. We all got busy. But I love my witches and would love for all of three of us to have the time 
at the same time to make more music together. Right, right. Looking back on Tomorrowland Blues, how do you feel it stands in your discography as an artist? It shows the side of me that has always loved Blue Cheer, MC5, and all things heavy and rockin'. We love heavy and rockin'. Yeah, and we love Blue Cheer and MC5. Right, right. Well, you know, you compiled I'm in the Band in a unique way with photos, diary-style entries, etc. How long did that process take? About a year. There was lots of scanning. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. In-depth answer. <laughs> was there anything you came across when compiling the book that you had forgotten about? This is more in-depth for you. Okay. 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 <laughs> I love finding the cool die cruising tickets. Those guys were good friends back in the day, and we always had great shows with them in the Midwest. Also, when I found a half of a book of white zombie tickets from when we headlined the Marquee Club in London which was sold out. It was our very first big show headlining on a day off in Europe where we had been opening for Danzig, and it was really a thrill. Plus, the tickets are ornate and beautiful. Have you considered writing a traditional-style autobiography about your life? No, but maybe something in my childhood spent at the North Carolina School of the Arts. That would probably start a new wave of hashtags, though, for all of the insanity that happened on that campus. Oh, wow! Leave that to your imagination. But, but I want to jump in real quick before we go forward. If you haven't checked out I'm in the band, it's a very cool book. Right okay. on. Proceed. Yeah, yeah. I've got it. Well, having so many creative outlets with music, drawing, photography, design, and writing, how do you balance it all? What outlet is most rewarding to you these days? When I'm doing design work or music <laughs> or photography, I'm really locked in and focused on the one thing. I do not work in the realm of the other two at all. This was... This will last for six months to a year, depending on the size of the project. Outside of school, I grew up taking four ballet classes a week, three piano classes a week, and two violin classes a week, and practicing all three of them a lot. Growing up with that much self-discipline doesn't just go away, fortunately or unfortunately, sometimes. Well, looking at recent events in the entertainment industry with the me Too movement. As someone who has been in the music industry for a long time, do you think this era is still the same for women in the music industry, or have there been improvements? I'm not really in the music industry so much anymore, so I don't really know. I would imagine, as in most walks of life, that things have gotten better. Nobody messed with me, that's all I know. And I also notice a lot more, lot capitalized, a lot more female musicians these days, which is nice. As a musician who is an accomplished bassist, pianist, and violinist, is there any instrument you wish you had learned that you did not? Yes, I'm still trying to master the banjo in my free time, and a theremin. I find them both physically difficult, so it limits my progress. Well, you recently posted a photo of a white zombie demo and live tapes that have been blocked from being released. How many of these tracks are songs that did not see the light of day on a white zombie album? Is this something you feel can be worked out, or do you feel it may always be an unfortunate situation? I don't think they will ever be allowed to be released, and quite honestly, I'm not sure how many of them are standalone, unheard songs, or if some got cannibalized into new songs. I think they would be of interest to fans, though, no matter the quality or the degree of quote-unquote noise, which was actually a goal at the time, not an accident. Looking back on White Zombie tours with bands like Pantera, Prong, Ramones, Deftones, Danzig, etc., 
What are some of your favorite artists to tour with and some of the best experiences? Well, it was truly amazing to see one of my all-time favorite bands, the Ramones, play a set every night for a solid month. It's Alive is the very first cassette I ever bought, and I still have it. I've always said that my holy trinity is the Ramones, the Cramps, and Motorhead. That said, Pantera were the most fun to tour with. Phil and Daryl were both hilarious and would never let anything but good times happen. Also, Caius were a lot of fun, and Babes in Toyland, thanks to Lori Barbero, who I still adore. What are, your, what are some of your favorite albums so far in 2019? I'm waiting for the Witch Taint record and the Chris Lee Band record to hit the shelves. From what I've seen and heard, these will be in heavy rotation on my stereo once released. Witch Taint forever. And there you go. I assume those came out. I need to check that out. Which Because <laughs> I love that name. If it's Witch Taint, I'm going to fucking look it up. Yeah, we're definitely going to look that up once we hit stop on this, right? Goddamn right. But there you go. So a huge thank you to Sean Isolt from formerly of White Zombie. Like I said, she's got the band Star and Dagger. Huge thank you to her for taking some time out there to answer our questions. And we definitely appreciate it. So if this is your first time checking us out and you love stuff like White Zombie from the 90s, that kind of metal that was going on then. We've had on Tommy Victor of Prong. We've had on both Mike Dean and Reed Mullen from COC. Huge shout out to, you know, rest in peace to Reed Mullen. And then we've had on guys like Dave Elfson from Megadeth, Chris Broderick. We've had on Gene Simmons of Kiss. We've had on, man, guys from Seven Dust. Guns N' Roses, Def Leppard, Shinedown, Shooter Jennings has been on here, Battlecross, Sons of Texas, Typo Negative, Life of Agony. The list just keeps going and keeps getting longer, and we're very happy about that. Definitely. It's glad, the best. I'm glad we can now say White Zombie on future episodes. Exactly. So just dig through there, soundcloud.com backslash thunder-underground. You can also listen on iTunes, Google Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Mixcloud. Or just Google it. You'll find it. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Get on YouTube at The Thunder Underground and subscribe. We post a lot of videos that are separate from the podcast about album reviews, concert reviews, and all that great stuff. And wherever you listen or see our stuff, if you hit like, you don't even have to share. Just hitting like or doing a comment helps. Helps all those stupid algorithms and get the stuff spread around. Stupid they are. Yeah. Yeah, so it helps it helps us out greatly, more than you would imagine. So where everything's at thethunderunderground.com. You can find all our podcasts there and all our social medias and even reviews. We've got album reviews. Jason does a lot of those. So get on the Thunder Underground and check that out. And once again, this Thursday night, which would be at this point, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Central, check us out on Facebook. We'll be live. We'll be talking about all kinds of crap. So get on there and check that out. And once again, huge thank you to MedFarm, DEB Concerts, Shawnee Salt, and Ivan DePrume of White Zombie. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground.